The following is a KPV Media Works production. Choose your fighter. How's it going, guys? This is KB Rodimus Prime back again with another episode of KBB Cast. Just want to remind you guys that if you're not watching live on YouTube or on Twitch, you can catch us on one of our streams over at uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Google Podcasts. So if you have been driving or just want to have something in the background to listen to, those are places to go to catch KBB Cast. And now, without further ado, I want to introduce to you one of the FTC's most prolific content creators and discoverers of tech. He's been around for quite a while, playing Street Fighter. Heading from Queens, New York, I want to introduce you guys to Javits Arias. How's it going, man? How's everything going on today? Hey, I'm all good, man. Thanks for having me on your show. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm happy to be able to share, you know, a little bit about my background and what I do and uh, just tell you my story. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Um, so I, I just want to go right into it. Like, um, what brought you into, like, gaming because of course i i i feel like most fighting game players start out as gamers so what you know brought you into gaming you know when did you start discovering video games and you know what brought you to yeah well the, the, so what, what started I, you on this road <laughs> yeah yeah so I, I was born in the 80s um i was born in 1986 um first console was a uh, atari and then i had a uh nintendo nes um and you know like many people that you know we we know that my first game was just straight up super mario brothers you know mm-hmm. so we mario brothers and uh it was that's like the first game i ever experienced you know the one that came together with duck hunt and all that and yeah. uh just used to play with you know my brother and i kind of just grew up like that and uh i didn't encounter street fighter until it came out for super nintendo in the early 90s and i was living in dominican republic at the time and uh one of our neighbors had it and um the first time i saw it i was like blown away i was like wow this is like i never seen anything like this like two guys fighting side by side and like you know nobody knew how to do any special moves or anything like that it was like you were just kind of people just mashing and things would come things would happen and and every day was just like you know that part of the journey of discovery like oh if you do this a certain way you start figuring out moves and what does what um weren't any good back then but uh that's kind of uh was my introduction into Street Fighter, and just as a as a gamer, I used to be really into, you know, just whatever was out for Super Nintendo, like Super Mario World, Mega Man X, um, you know, Demon's Crest, those kind of games. So I so I I kind of grew up in you know in the Super Nintendo era, going into the PlayStation era, and uh, as far as um, just kind of how I got exposed to the FGC and like the broader fighting game culture. Um, when I moved back to New York, um, arcades were really big in the nineties. And um, right, one second, all right? I just gotta little make it some noise. <laughs> oh. No one second. One second. It happens, guys. It happens with all the podcasts. Uh, you're probably gonna edit this apart, all right? I'm guessing. Yeah, we can talk about sponsors. We can talk about Techni Support and our discount code KPB, which saves you 10 percent off all of their chairs, stuff like that. Uh, we want to yeah. announce our partnership with Saltimia. She's great. She makes 
awesome like designs for the fighting community. Very cutesy keychain, just a little decals, pillows to check out at saltania.art. Yes, I won't get that wrong. And also KPV will get you 15%, or excuse me, 10% off any gear over at acquired.ca. This is all apparel maker. Uh, they make fine apparel for different FCC and just uh, esports teams. So check them out at acquired.ca, ladies and gentlemen. And now we got Javitis back. Uh, after yeah. the hiatus, everything, everything's good. All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, well, just like, um, the way I got exposed into arcades was, um, you know, in the '90s, uh, pretty much any laundromat or like your local chicken store or your local bodega, your convenience store or whatever, would always have like, you know, your basic Street Fighter Two, Super Turbo, one of those things. And um, I used to, you know, whenever I would ever, you know, go with my parents to the laundromat, you know, they would, you know, they would throw me a little bit of change so I could play on one of those machines. And that's when I started seeing like, oh, that there was like different levels of players where like some players were really good. Some players were not so good. And, you know, I started to see like the whole flow of like, um, you know, the good players would stay on. And, uh, you know, the, the, you know, they had to like kind of have a rotating line and all that. So I kind of yeah, got exposed. Quarters, I was a little kid. Like the machine and stuff like that. The quarters like lined up. On yeah. The lining, lining them up. And it was, it was kind of a rowdy crowd. Cause, uh, back then, um, you know, since fighting games were so new still, like people, like every, every establishment that you went to kind of had like their own like rules as to like what you could and couldn't do. Like <laughs> some people wouldn't like it if you threw them too much or if you threw too many fireballs or little things like that. So, um, yeah. and there was like, you know, you know, it, it, there was a mix of like kids and adults playing together, which is also kind of like a strange dynamic. And there was it like is, bullying yeah. sometimes. So there was all mm -hmm. types of like the wild west. Like it was just crazy. And, um, so I kind of got exposed to that. And then, um, uh, over time, you know, you know, I, I kind of used to just follow my older brother. He's two years older than me. So he was able to go check out different places that had like, um, some of the better arcades, like if they had like Marvel versus Super Marvel superheroes or X-Men versus Street Fighter and I'll tag along. And then over time, you started seeing some of the same players around the local neighborhood that like are winning in this arcade and then winning in that arcade. And then one of them, um, told my brother about Chinatown fair. And that mm. wasn't the Chinatown fair was like the, the arcade in, in the city with like all the best players. The arcade. Yeah. It was the like arcade. the, the arcade of that era with all the best players. And, um, if you thought you were good in your arcade, you had to go test yourself over there. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that's kind of like, uh, how I went and got exposed to that, to Chinatown fair. And um, my first, the first time I went was when, right around the time that CVS Capcom vs SNK one came out, so like okay, right before like ninety nine two thousand around there, and um, yeah, it was like such a wild thing for me because I was still very young. I was like I was born eighty six, so I was about thirteen, um, and uh, I think I told my parents I was going to my friend's house or something, and then me and my brother just like sneaked <laughs> all the way to Chinatown just to play a couple of games for like two hours. We come try to be home by eight or something, so it was it was a fun time. But uh, I got to see uh, some of the, where the really good players were, and then um, I actually 
after that little stint, I, I actually got into uh, first person shooters through high school. So I used to actually compete in Counter-Strike in the early days of Counter-Strike, which is like one of the bigger esports now. Yeah, so I was on a team in, in high school and all that. We used to play in like a, what was back then was called the Cyber, Cyber Athletic Amateur League, which was like the amateur online version of CPL. CPL was a Cyber Athletic Professional League, which used to have like offline LAN events for like Quake and Counter-Strike and all those big FPS games of those times. And um, that kind of exposed me to the esports side of things. And then um, and then right around the same time, uh, I also started learning about like just competitive gaming in general. And I, I got exposed to like Shoryuken.com. And then from seeing Shoryuken.com and like kind of just following the updates from that site, I think there was another site called Fighters Cafe back then as well. And um, I started seeing like tournament results out in like West Coast. And I, that's how I learned about like Alex Faye and John Choi and like Combo Fiends and all those guys. And I used to, I used to like find videos about them. And, and I used to, um, I used to literally like go to the library and print out FAQs from James Chen, just like how to do combos. Like I started like, that's like, that was kind of like my first exposure to like what they now call tech like yeah. breaking down the game and, and like knowing like how the deeper systems work, why certain things work the way that they do. So that was like my first exposure to that. And I always found that stuff really interesting because I felt like this is the, that's the way that, you know, in my mind that some of these players were elevating their game. Um, but the reality of it was that a lot of these players back then, they just played a lot, man. They just played and they figured things out. And then they kind of have like, some of the guys who also played, but like were kind of a little bit more behind the scenes, like the James Chens, that maybe they weren't mm -hmm. the strongest competitors, but they were they were like the ones that were kind of like figuring stuff out and and kind of like you know expanding the the the, the level of the game in, in a different plane, a different field. So it was always it was always interesting uh, for me to see that side of it. Um, but uh, then uh, through college. Um, I went to City well, before, Tech. Before you, before you get into college, before you get into college, because you've covered yeah. a, a good foundation of how you started in the community. Uh, I want to get yeah. more information about Javis, the person behind that. Like, when you're not playing fighting games, like, what is Javis, the person like? Oh, so, yeah. So, besides, like, my fighting game life, man, um, I... And it really, this what I'm what I'm going to talk about kind of relates to fighting games. I, I've, I'm, a, I'm the type of person that... um. I'm really intrigued by like different cultures of the world and I, you know, um, being able to meet different people from all over the place. And I, you know, I'm, I'm very interested in learning different languages and traveling and all st and stuff like that. And, um, through the fighting game community, um, I've been, I've met so many lifelong friends from all different parts of the world. Like when I, um, you know, one of the first times I went to Japan a few years ago, I actually stayed mm -hmm. with a friend that I met through the community and I didn't have to like, spend the hotel or you know i had a local wow. actually showing me around for like two weeks um that's nice yeah. so yeah i'm into like traveling and um i used to be uh i used to be into salsa that's how i met my girlfriend who's now the you know mother of my daughter so i used to be into salsa dancing um yeah a bunch of different things um these days uh lately i've gotten into uh i made a career change recently so now i'm into like coding and programming um, yes, I saw you got a, a, a new position recently, right? 
Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I finally, so I was working before I, I was, before I got into coding, I was working as a um, account manager in, at, an, at an ad agency. And um, I kind of felt like, uh, like I, I reached, a, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, uh, like the peak of my career. Summit, in that. Yeah, you reached, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like the top I and it just, I didn't feel like that career was fulfilling for me anymore. So I was like, you know what? Um, being the way that I'm such a, like a mathematical thinker and I, I like to break things down, I said, you know, maybe I should give coding a chance. And um, my brother, uh, the same one, it's funny because a lot of things just relate back to my brother. He's the one that got me into, you know, the gaming and he, he was, uh, he did a coding boot camp and ended up at Spotify. And then okay. I saw the way that process went for him and I thought, oh, wow, you know, even though I didn't go to college for computer science, I see that this is another, another avenue to get into this industry. And, uh, so I, I took that route and I was able to do the same thing that he did. Um, and I went to a coding bootcamp and then, uh, I finally landed a, a job offer last month. So, yeah. Nice. Nice. Interesting. interesting. So, um, with you, you definitely had, you were inspired by people like James 10 to get into like the real nitty gritty of like how fighting games work. And, um, it, and as a result of that, you've taken that passion and, and learned how to, you know, find out situations and provide that to today's players, you know, who didn't have, you know, back in the nineties, like you said, we didn't have the internet, you know, it wasn't, it was just starting out in the mid nineties. And so we, yep. we didn't have access to everything that we could figure out. And then like, it had to go by word of mouth or people you knew in your neighborhood or wherever you were able to get access to players who actually knew things, right? So um, now today in this information technology world, and you have so many places where you can get information for anything, right? Why do you feel yep. you stand out in the community and why you've always stand out? Because I, I, I look at your, your, your Twitter feed and you're always putting up something and you get so many hits. Um, why do you think that people come to you? Like, what is it about you in particular that you're one of the more favorite content creators? Um, so a couple of, a couple of reasons. Um, one of them being that I myself was a competitor and it wasn't that long ago. Um, uh, when Street Fighter four came out and that was kind of like uh, a resurgence of fighting game, particularly Street Fighter, because there was no new Street Fighter game, uh, I, I wouldn't count Capcom Fighting Jam. So there, there really was no new <laughs> Street Fighter game since like CVS 2. So right. it, it, I, I don't want to say the scene was dead, but it was kind of like, you know, a little, it slowed down for a bit. And then when Street Fighter 4 came out, it was like, it was 3D, you know, 2.5D, you know, the, a lot of mm. players from the West were playing again, mix of old school and new school. I was playing, you know, you know, it was out in arcades and like a select few arcades like Chinatown. I think Family Fun Arcade had it, um, and a couple of places in you know California had it. I think Texas had it. So it was like a very um, interesting time because like everybody was trying to like, yo, it's a new Street Fighter. Everybody wanted to be the best again, be the best region. So everybody was playing hard, practicing, and um, you know, one of the ways to uh, to have that competitive edge was to constantly find ways to elevate your game, and. Um, Actually, when in the early, early days of Street Fighter 4, um, when not that many people had access to the game and the first tournament for that game 
which was only played by the people, the limited amount of people that had access to it, at least here in the States, was at a, at an event in Virginia called Sensation that was run okay. by Perfect Sin. He had his own uh, SF4 board. And uh, Justin Wong was still living in New York at the time. He hadn't moved to the West Coast. And um, Gutex and Mike Ross and Combo Fiend came over to that tournament on the East Coast to play against, you know, the best players from the East. And um, lo and behold, they they whooped our ass. Like, they were on another level. Gutex won that tournament. And they were doing stuff that we had never seen. So that kind of um, humbled us in a way that, like, it, 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 but it also lit the little fuel under us, like, you know, little fire under us, like, man, we can't, we can't, there's the new game is just coming out. Like we can't let our, let ourselves like just get whooped like this. And then, um, and just like that, uh, you know, we started playing much harder. We started trying to figure out the systems and, and that's kind of like how I started, um, becoming like known as like the tech guy, because, um, I played Balrog back then and, um, Justin, he played Rufus, but he also had like a pocket Balrog. And then, so I kind of like used to find little things that I could, I could be like, Oh, you know, this would be cool if you did this and, or maybe you should try this. Or like, I would kind of try to recreate situations, um, that I saw happening in tournaments and by recreating them, I was finding solutions. And then the more solutions I was able to provide, the, the better I was able to support, not just become better for myself, but all my friends around me and my scene. I was the one that told them like, oh, you do this or do that, you know, and it, was, it wasn't even a matter of like that I was better than them, but I just had certain answers to certain little things that they might not know about how the system works. Right. And, um, and, and those, it, it, it proved to be crucial in some, in some key moments because um, uh, the next time that, that there was like a, a big run back, um, it was at final round, um, final round 2009, I want to say. And I believe Justin was able to take that tournament. I don't remember the exact result. I'm not, I won't lie. I don't remember the exact result, but I, I believe Justin was able to, to take it back and, uh, and beat Gutex. So um, that's kind of like how I started. Um, just like, aside from being just a player, I also kind of like felt like a responsibility to like make sure that my scene was like also very good. Right. Um, so, yeah. And um, in terms of to answer your question as to why I think people kind of gravitate to the stuff that I post or like, you know, I get a lot, a lot of like, you know, retweets and, and shares and things like that. It's because of uh, just the consistency with which I put out stuff and how fast, like, for example, um, Street Fighter Five was recently updated last week. And I've already put out a ton of videos. Just it's just because I have such an understanding of the system, and I have a, a process where I'm able to, even if a character that I've never used before, I'm able to know like, okay, what are the moves that are used for this, and how can I, um, I don't know, find their their most optimal big combo punish in this situation, and then I'll show it, right. and then I'll show like different variations of it. Um, so I kind of have like already like a system in place that. And it's not even written down. It's so like, it's all in here, but I kind of like have a quick way of like, all right, this is um, like a check, like an internal checklist. Like, all right, I'm going to check what their basic combos are. Maybe, maybe figure out a way to optimize it. 
maybe figure out a way to like create a cool little mix up or something. So I, I have like these ways that I, um, I kind of know is, what is people want to see. Is it like flow chart based? Like, like you, you, you just like, do you, I like, how's your selection process? Like, do you just say, ah, oh, I haven't done something for Lucia in a while or, you know, what is, what is that? Is it like just who's the hottest right now? Is it something that you do it yeah. where yeah, someone, it's, someone it's actually requests? Really, yeah, it's actually, um, initially if I, like, the first thing I'm going to try is something that I seen that is like popular right now. Like for example, um, when the update was released on the patch notes, everybody was like, Oh my God, Ryu got updated. Like, you know, he got buffed like crazy. So I'm like, all right, let me take us, let me take this new Ryu for a spin and see what he got. And then I posted like a whole bunch of crazy stuff that he can do. Um, because I'm able to see the notes and understand what those changes mean, like how they translate to the actual mm -hmm. game. And I'm able to, demonstrate that and sometimes a lot of people um they may read like patch notes and they may not fully understand what they don't understand yeah yeah what what it, what it means like what what does it what does it mean if they extended the hitbox of a certain attack or what does it mean if they increase the damage what are the repercussions in the actual game so I'm, I'm able to like quickly show that like make it tangible for them in a way and then you know and and the fact that i'm able to do it for so many different characters uh, is why a lot of people, cause I, I kind of like can help everybody out and that's, that's, and that's my goal. So I'm like, I'm succeeding in that regard that, um, I'll, I'll say, I won't do, I don't do every character, but I, I would say a good 85% of the cast, which is, yeah, like, you, you, know, you, you do a lot. And I'm sure anyone yeah. that's in, that's in high demand gets, gets covered by you on a regular basis. Um, yeah, I, I want to say like, so, and, and don't take this the wrong way. Cause I, I definitely understand where this comes from. Some people say where like, you know, those that can't do teach. Has anyone ever told you that? Because maybe like you didn't, you wasn't very successful maybe as a competitive player or not to where you wanted to be. Do you take resentment to that statement in any way if someone were to say that to you? Yeah, no, I wouldn't take offense to it. Um, I would just say that, you know, um, being a competitor, there's, there, Certainly anybody that plays a fighting game specifically is, uh, you know, it's, it's a competitive by nature. So of course, everybody that plays wants to win and wants to be good. Um, but, uh, you know, as you grow older and just life has different circumstances, like sometimes you have to prior prioritize different things. Like, um, mm -hmm. you know, like I may have, let's say a certain level of talent, but if it's, uh, if I'm not like actively playing consistently and entering events all the time, I'm not going to get those results. Um, right. so you're but constantly I, I, sharpening your sword. Right. Right. If I'm not constantly yeah. sharpening my sword, I'm not going to be the one, you know, in your top eights of your NLBCs every week or, you know, but I feel like what, what can I contribute if, if I'm not competing because of whatever life circumstances I have going on, you know, like now I'm a father. I've, you know, I was working on a career change. I've always had a full-time job and I'm not using those as excuses, but I'm just I'm using that just as like, yeah, it, different things that, you know, I prioritize in my life aside from just competing. Um, mm -hmm. and, but I still feel like, you know, what do I have to offer to my community? And, you know, I have a lot of, a wealth of knowledge that I'm, that I'm willing and happy to share. So I figure if I'm not going to compete, I might as well share what's in my head and help others that are competing you know, elevate their game. So yeah, like, I, yeah, to answer your question, I don't really take offense. I think there is some truth to that, that maybe, you know, if you can't do teach, but, um, 
to be able to teach you, I think you must be able to do t- to a certain degree. So I think like, you know, if, if there's any right. doubt that like, I don't know how to play, anybody could just always ask me to play and I'm happy to play anybody, you know? So it's like, right. I'm still, I'll still throw down, man. I'm still in there. Like, yeah. you know, I still, so like, listen, I'm sure you're better than the average player. Yeah. Still, you know, like than the casual street fighter player, because, um, I, I, I talk about this, uh, with, uh, I had Gilbert on the show, um, uh, Punisher from the Marvel community. Um, yeah. And we, we talked about, you know, yeah, definitely awesome, awesome, sweet gentleman, like great guy. Um, we talked about how as a as someone who's in the community, you know, when someone that's not in the community approaches you and say, oh, you know, I, I hear you play Street Fighter, you know, I, I'm kind of nice, you know, you want to play? <laughs> and you're like, whatever, you entertain it, whatever. And then like, you, you pick up the sticks and like, you can tell literally within the first five seconds, like how much this person knows. Like, is that something yeah. you have, a, you know, a knack for? Because I know I play someone, like I, I work in high school and like um, we've had like kids come in and like they play fighting games and, you know, we had, we had a lot of kids that play Smash and I casually play Smash. I'm not good, I'm not great at it, but I can, right. you know, beat people. And, um, right. you know, they're like, ah, oh, you can't play, you know, Mr. Reed and whatever. And I'm like, Uh, let me let me see you know and and meanwhile i know these guys don't know anything and then i'm like just destroying like uh uh 7v1 you know because they're all playing eight eight controllers like you know so you know like do you do you get that very often like and i know you got people maybe for your different work uh places where you work so they probably hear about what you do and they probably go i could beat you you're not that good you ever get any of that stuff um, yeah, a little bit of that. It, it has happened before, like, you know, kind of when I encounter like people who are a little bit more on the casual side and then they'll be like, oh, I'm, I'm good with, you know, I used to play Street Fighter 2 and then, you know, they'll hit me with some old line like that. I'm like, hey, man, it's been, it's been a long time. You know? Yo, I'm nice with Ken, son. Like, that's, that's, that's yeah, always the hood statement. Exactly. And like, yeah. is, is Ken, you think, is Ken the hood favorite? Has always been the hood favorite. He will always be the hood favorite. Ken is <laughs> yeah. the, hood, the hood character, man. Ken is yeah. like, I don't Ken know something about Ken. Yep. <laughs> something about Ken. Oh, man. Um, You've also taken this love for like breaking down and like just analyzing the game. And that's made you, you know, uh, quite the commentator in events. Um, I've had the pleasure of working with you at different events, uh, locally, internationally, we were at Capcom Cup. Um, what, what's that been like for you to be able to not only, you know, make the content and help your community, but also now verbally explain the game to people who may or may not understand what's going on. What's that like? Yeah, that, that, that part's really cool too, because, um, like I said, it plays into the fact that I like to travel and meet people and being able to, um, you know, share my passion of, of, you know, fighting games with, you know, the masses, as you would say, uh, is something that something I, I, it didn't even hit me until later on. I'm like, wow, like, you know, there could have been thousands of people watching that and, you know, new players that probably people who, who are just getting into starting their journey with fighting games. And, you know, as long as I'm able to, you know, clearly explain what's, what's going on on the screen. Um, it, it might get someone more enticed, like, oh, this is not just button mashing. There's actually like some thought going on here. Um, and, you know, and being able to show like 
that the scientific side of things while also keeping it exciting. It's, you know, it's good to have like a partner doing commentary with me who like kind of the hype man. And then I'll kind of like break it down on the other end of things. And so that that's always cool kind of having that dynamic, but, uh, but yeah, just being able to share with like new people, you know, something that I want to see grow and continue to expand like forever. Like I don't want fighting games to go away. I want them to be well beyond my time. So being able to be a part of that, uh, it's actually something really special. Uh, who are some of the color commentaries you'd like to work with that help, like, you know, to bring the color to your um, analysis, so to speak? Oh, uh, man, the, the the commentator who I'll have this on record, who I want to do commentary with, with the most, I would say is uh, Majin Obama. He's, he's out in Japan now, but he's just so funny. And uh, mm-hmm. he just brings really good energy. Um, I'm all about energy. I like having good energy around me. He's hilarious and knowledgeable. Um, and he just keeps it real. Like it's just, he's like a, he, he's similar to Yipes, even though he doesn't make the same types of jokes that Yipes makes, but just the authenticity mm-hmm. that, you, that comes from the way that he talks and communicates about the games that he commentates. Um, I think that's really cool. So he's definitely at the top of my list um, in terms of commentary. And um and I'd like to do commentary also with some of the guys from the from Europe, like uh, Jammers, okay. um, F Word, those guys. Those guys are really good. I've I've done commentary with Logan. That was cool. Yes, but I'd like to do. How, how was that? Yeah, that was at um. Yeah, we, we was at uh, that was Game Republic. Over. Uh, yeah, yeah, we did that. Yeah, yeah. Game so Over. So how was that? Yep. How was that? How was that working with Logan? He's he's a cool guy. He, he's very quiet. Yeah, very yeah. Yeah, it, it was cool. It was cool. Um, he was, he's obviously more experienced than me in that, but uh, he was able to kind of like feed me certain certain parts of the commentary, and then like kind of let me like it, it. It at no point did I ever feel like he was kind of like dominating the commentary, even though he was more experienced. It, it was it was cool that we were able to kind of like both share the mic, and he let me, um, you know express myself and my knowledge of the game and my interpretation of what was happening. What, and then he, you know, using his experience, he was able to kind of like pick me up whenever I would maybe um, not mess up, but like maybe fill in the gaps of wherever I might made a frozen or something. So he was like, it was, it was pretty cool doing it with him knowing that, uh, you know, if I was, if I ever messed up, he would kind of pick up the slack. And that's good. You need to have someone that can definitely carry, help carry the, the the show actually when that you guys are you know yeah. putting put a show together you know with, yep. with your words and uh, and your your expertise so that's always good to have someone that can always pick up the slack in case somebody falters in, in that regard um yep what what is your what has been your favorite tournaments in like either tournament series or like one particular tournament in year that that are like some of your favorite and most memorable um in recent years i would have to say um east coast throwdown has really uh taken it to another level because um they started off like you know really cool and then they had like a rough like two or three years they were kind of like trying new venues in new jersey and and um Mm -hmm. they had a couple hiccups there but then um uh you know they, they they got like a new team helping them out now um shout outs to walter um and Zach and, you know, and obviously still Long Island Joe and John and those guys. And, um, and they've really stepped up their, their, just the overall production of that tournament has gone 
like tenfold. Like it's just incredible what the, how, how that tournament has grown. Um, so yeah, that's one of my favorite tournament series, of course, combo breaker, um, the, the tournament that I think was nearest and dearest to my heart and the ones that the type of event that I really liked was uh, seasons beatings. That one was just really cool because it was like everybody from the entire country kind of gathered there. Um, and that it, it was, it was like a very kind of intimate feel. Like it, it reminded me of the old days of the arcade days. So, um, that tournament's not around anymore, but, uh, it was, that was one right. of my favorite tournaments back in the days. Listen, a lot of hype moments, especially underrated hype moments happened at season beatings. Uh, you know, I think that was, you know, one of the, one of the, the rare and few, uh, Daigo defeats happened at season beatings. Um, yep. you know, it, it, it's not your typical venue in terms of like fighting game tournament major settings. Uh, so I don't know if that, you know, between, um, East coast jet lag and it was just not his weekend that, uh, he, you know, he, he had to hold L and, um, you know, and things like that, that make, you know, tournaments like that, you know, legendary, you know, that, you know, I, I wish I was able to go to season beans, um, when it was around, I was able to catch streams, but I never, you know, the time I wanted to go was the time they had the last year, which was unfortunate, but, uh, yeah, yeah. There's, there's lots of great, great events out there. Great events that I've yet to have, have, have go because, you know, either time or just either my personal time or bad timing, you know, it just wasn't able to go. Um, but, but yeah, man, it's like tons of, tons of great tournaments over the years that have come and gone. Some that are still around, some that almost left, you know, but they're still here. Hopefully after COVID, you know, whatever that new society becomes, you know, people, people say, Oh, I want to go back to the old. Like, there's kind of no old. You got to kind of push forward. You know. We're, yeah, yeah. We're living, it's going to definitely be different going forward. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, you, I, I, I agree with you. It's not, you know, things are going to get better. Um, I don't think mm -hmm. that it'll be the normal that we knew. Um, right. But you know, with the, a lot of things will be a little bit different, and we just have to adapt. And uh, I'm looking forward to you know when we're able to gather together again, and you know, me able to do some commentary again, and. I just kind of keep pushing the scene forward and, and, uh, yeah, I'm very much looking forward to that because that's, that's one of my favorite things about being part of the community is, uh, you know, going to these events offline and playing, you know, playing with people face to face and just feeling that energy and meeting people that you, that you mostly interact with probably online and just being able to kick it with them and play together and all that. It's just really something out of this world. So definitely looking forward to when those days are back. Yes, most definitely. Um, have you ever had a player come up to you and thank you for your just for your information? Like, say, yo, you've really helped me or like, you know, I mean, how, how, how far has that gotten for you? Have you ever had someone just come and say, man, you really helped me out there with, with your with your tech and your knowledge? Like, yeah, it has. It has actually when uh, at Combo Breaker, a couple of people that, that was one of the bigger tournaments of, of, as of recently. And um mm -hmm that a, lot, a couple of people recognized me and like just gave me props like hey man you know i love what you're doing you know keep doing it and just, you know people you know definitely showing love and like you know that motivates me to keep going and um you know just kind of keep doing my thing with that does it like does it feel rewarding for you like when you do this i mean i'm sure like anything you just there's a level of motivation that needs to happen right i'm sure there are days where you don't feel like 
running to the lab and like breaking down a character. But like, uh, are, are these things, do these things motivate you to continue doing what you're doing? Is there other, other yeah. factors that motivate you as well? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like one of the things that's like really cool is like, if I, um, I'll, I'll say recently, like I posted uh, this really cool discovery that I made for Guile. And, you know, as we know, the top guy on the world is Daigo. He's like the Michael Jordan of mm-hmm. games. And I was actually a, watching him on his stream practicing something that I created. And I was like, that blew my mind. Like, and, and Daigo and I have met countless times. Um, and he, he knows who I am and stuff. And like, um, but, you know, he kind of like has his own way of, of practicing and doing his own thing and leveling up. And just the fact that he was practicing something that I found was like pretty cool like it brought out like the freaking fanboy in me like you know i could have met him a hundred times and i was still really cool to see i was like damn he's actually you know messing with something that i found i'm like that's really dope that was a good feeling so um yeah little little moments like that or like seeing somebody win like with something that i may have found and and like hearing james chan in the commentary like oh yeah that's that was a javits combo or something like that like that always you know Mm -hmm. puts a smile on my face um because you know I, i like to see you know, the game got elevated and people doing cool stuff and like, um, and being able to be a, a part of that process is, is something really special. If, uh, if COVID wasn't a situation that we would have to deal with right now, how, how do you think your last year would have gone or would have worked out in terms of the FTC? Um, were there any plans that you had, um, that because of COVID you couldn't, you couldn't do FTC wise, um, or like events you wanted to go to, like, what did you think your last year would have looked like the last year or so? Yeah, I definitely would have tried to go back to Japan um, just to kind of see what's going on in that scene. I really liked that country with the time that I went there for about two weeks and um, just kind of explore more of like, you know, meet some of their players and and, and kind of kick it with them and, and, and show them, you know, learn a little bit about how they do what they do and why they're so good and kind of see and show them like what I do and kind of just like knowledge share and, and, and just kick it. You know, that, that would have been something that I would have really loved to do just travel in general, but in particular Japan, um, just because that's like, it's kind of like if you're a fighting game player, Japan is like one of the places that you definitely have to go. <laughs> Cause that's like one of the yes. strongest. Yeah, one of one of the strongest regions, and they 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 have like all these cool arcades and stuff. So like, if you're into like the arcade side of things, it's really like special to go to like you know where the games were literally created. Like it's something amazing, you know. Um, so. I, I want to go back a little bit when you talked about how like the West Coast cont- contingent came over and you know defeated the East Coast you know guys over at uh, over in Virginia that event. Um, yep. When I when I when it, when I talked to some people over the years, and especially back then, they wondered at the time like why was the West Coast so good and stuff. Uh, from someone who lived in the arcade, I know one aspect that I could explain to them was, unlike the East Coast, where kind of the arcade scene started to die first, um, and then it kind of just slowly swept o- over the country. Uh, I also said that uh, on on the West Coast in California, uh, you're closer to Japan. And therefore, you have, you know, Japanese travelers that travel to and from, you know, you're more likely to find, you know, Japanese people traveling to California than, say, in New York or 
a lot more hours on on the flight, you know, jet lag, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I, I also said that there was a speedier exchange of information between those coaches because of that short uh, connection. Uh, is that something you agree yeah. with? Like that, that, that's a conversation that I've had with people over the years. Yeah, I think from, at least from my personal experience with the beginning days of Street Fighter Four, um, I wouldn't say it was so much an influence of Japan being closer to California, because I don't recall any Japanese players going to play in California. Maybe there were, but I, I just don't remember at the time. Um, but what I do remember is that back then, um, you know, some of the figureheads of the West Coast FGC, like Alex Valle and Combo Fiend and all that, they really, um, it was like pretty important to them to make sure that they, that they were playing hard, like to make sure that the, whoever was under them, like they were beating them into shape basically, like, um, and making sure that they were all leveling up together. Um, I, f I felt that more from their scene, more than our scene in the beginning. We, we improved over time in that, in that department, but in the beginning days of Street Fighter 4, like we kind of had like little silos. Like there was like a crew that played at Arturo's house and a couple of players from there. And then there was like a crew that played with Justin and a couple of players there. And then there was like another crew that played with like Long Island Joe and those guys. But there was like not too much unity. So like you had like these little pockets of like a little crew of players that knew how to fight Tagat and then a new little crew of players that knew how to fight Dalsim and then another crew of players that knew how to fight Rufus. But then if you were like to all fight each other, like nobody really knew that much because no, there was like those little pockets, bubbles of information where they weren't being shared. Whereas in California scene, they were all kind of like, not, I wouldn't want to say buddy, buddy with each other, but they were like throwing it down. Like they were making sure that everybody knew, like if I, if, if I whipped his ass, I want to make sure I whip everybody's ass so that everybody learns like that. It was kind of like that's that they had a very different mentality that just was more conducive to, to improvement for their overall scene. Um, and uh, I'm happy to say that overall that that did improve in the East Coast in that time, because when uh, the culmination of that was uh, the first big East versus West battle was organized by Gutex. It was bar fights. And I think it was like a, it was either 5v5. I want to say 5v5. And I think everyone of the East Coast won their matches except for Long Island Joe losing to Alex Valle. And it was like by pixels. Like it was like by like so little bit. But like everybody else won their match. Like like Justin won his match. Um, like everybody that represented the East Coast won all their matches. So it was like we completely turned it around from how, how it started. And that just proved that like, you know, when, when a scene plays together and, and has that goal of leveling up together that, um, that the results show. And that, that was like the big takeaway from that time. And, and I, I miss those days because now that everything's online, um, it kind of feels a little bit like the stronger players are the ones that grind a lot individually, but they aren't like, uh, you don't have those like those pockets that are all coming together and playing together. Like you don't really see that too much these days. Like, like a little crew of players that make sure um, that they all get strong. But it's hard to say why. Maybe the motivation is not as strong because of the no offline events at the moment. Yeah, I think I think that's a factor. Um, 
I also believe like, uh, again, yeah, just the fact that it's COVID, you know, it's, it's, it's been a, a blanket of like depression. I feel I don't, and there's not many people I feel they could say they're really, really happy in this, in this, uh, state that we're in right now. And for, for, you know, the right reasons, of course, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's taking a toll on, on all of us in some way or form. Um, yep. Uh, as I mentioned, as I had this conversation with other guests previously, um, I, I've been personally fortunate uh, not to know anyone personally that has succumbed to COVID, but I definitely know people who have lost a loved one um, for sure. So it's one of those things where, like, if you didn't, if one, if you did, if you did it, if you survived it, then you may have known someone who did survive, or you may have been one person separated. That's that's the kind of reach this virus has had on our world. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's, that's it's not a fun. It, it reminds me a lot of I don't know if you ever watched if you're a fan of The Walking Dead, right? And like the first thing, obvious, the first and most important thing about The Walking Dead is that the world is all full of zombies, right? Everybody's a zombie, right? But as you watch the show and you progress, it, it's really a minor issue, right? Like we already know, yes, there's like zombies that we have to be careful of and stuff like that. But as you watch the show, it's like you realize that because of the situation, how much society has changed, you know, and how people used to be more caring and, and loving to each other. And now it's like, it's a, you know, dog eat dog kind of world because we're all trying to survive because of something else yep. that's killing us, you know? And I, I, I yeah. think that that's what's, that's the next step, right? Like, like COVID's going to get so bad that we're going to just turn on each other because, you know, it, it's, it's so, it's all, and thank God it, it's like not getting to that point and hopefully it never will. You know, um, but uh, yeah, it, it's it's just a, a blanket, another blanket to kind of put through, you know, that and that it, it'll change your daily life. You know, I, I'm sure people who are probably very prominent in the community don't have the time right now because of these COVID related situations and stuff. And like, yep. all we could ever do is wish, wish the best for them and hope that, you know, this is all over. And we can return to uh, yeah, pressing buttons and, and showing each other and stuff like that. Yeah, you just got to write it out, man. We'll get through it. We'll definitely get through it. Um, you're definitely an NLBC guy, uh, next level bass again, for those who don't know that. Um, yep. And you've been there for years. So like you said, like the mentality has changed in the East Coast um, in terms of like uh, not sharing tech, as they say. Um, I, I don't want to uh, drop names of when, when I talk about, when I cite people who have, the, you know, possibly controversial uh thoughts or words but one player in particular i'm sure you know who this is uh cited that uh yeah we we keep tech from each other we're not sharing tech and that's why we lose the people out of our region uh people out of our country etc um that all being said and you being a guy at next level in the trenches you've been there um where do you honestly rank the new york's uh region and scene in regards to the rest of the world and why? So the, the New York region has, let's see, has a lot of strong players still new and old. Um, like you have your smug, you have shine, you have item, you still have Arturo. Um, so you still definitely have like a strong pool of talent from this region. Uh, new and old, um, but uh, yeah, I don't know if 
those guys play amongst each other that much, um, which I guess is unfortunate. I know they all play a lot online in general, so they're all practicing. I'm sure they run into each other, um, but there isn't do, like do you think right now. Still, like, yeah, it, there's still not enough cohesiveness. Like it's been better, but not enough still to where we need to be. Is that is that probably where you're going with this? Yeah, yes, I think I think there's I think it could be a lot better, but I wouldn't limit it now. I think right now, and this might be a controversial thing to say. I think right now it's probably at a low point in terms of people playing with each other with the with the express goal of leveling each other up. Like I think okay. there's, there's a lot of like kind of individualism right now mm-hmm. where people are like either playing for a prize or for sponsors or something like or for content for something that's going to bring themselves Cloud. up. But mm-hmm. yeah, or clout, whatever that, whatever it may be. I'm not. I won't knock it for clout. Whatever you know, whatever right. people's goal. Whatever it is. Yeah. yeah, whatever it is. Which is totally fine. So, but it's more. On, it's on an individual level, rather. So, but I, I attributed that more right now to the fact that there's no offline events because when there's offline events, there's more of a sense of camaraderie. But right now, mm-hmm. since everything's online and everybody's in their own home and they don't have like their guy, their their buddies with them together. It's about like getting those individual wins and trying to like try to get ahead on their own. Right. So, so it, um, it's probably right now just survival, right? I think because we're all we technically still sort of quarantined, you know, or, you know, our, our society diminished a bit, you know, we're, we're kind of on our own island, just basically fighting off intruders, right? Cause we're trying to survive and we're trying to, to survive, it, I guess, in our gaming careers, right? Because we can't, yeah. on, on, Technically, we can't. We're not supposed to all meet up, right? It's not like, yeah, you're my FTC family, but like, you know, with COVID and all, I shouldn't really be around you, you know, twenty four seven. I don't know what you do in your life outside of fighting. Maybe, maybe not. It's, it's so many variables to this, right? Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot that goes into it. So yeah, I'm not. I'm not putting mm-hmm. this on an, an individual players or anything like that. I think just, I just of think the not, circumstances yeah. of what were the situation that we're in right now is lending itself to a situation in which players maybe it's not in their best interest to you know play to help out their fellow players they're kind of all just kind of trying to level up and get as strong as they can individually so it's uh i'd like to see that change somehow maybe um maybe create some more team events or something or or maybe somebody will organize like virtual sessions where people will play each other explicitly with the goal of learning I don't know some certain matchups, but uh, I I do know for a fact that that's not happening right now. Um, like, I'll give examples. I'm not saying this is exactly happening, but let's say people uh, struggle against a particular character like Dal Sim. I know Arturo is not playing people with his Dal Sim to help them get better in the Dal Sim matchup. It's just right. that's not happening. So it's like there were people like. <laughs> So it, there'll be like that level of like either and it and it's a bad thing in the end because then um there'll be like overall as a community people will be like frustrated fighting a character like that and then it'll be bad for himself because he's um people are not forcing him to adapt and find new strategies because he's just staying at like a base level that is working to a certain degree and then if he learns if he loses you know the, the few times that he does uh 
you know, there's not that much room for like figuring out like, oh, I need to change this or that, you know, and that, that was, that's kind of the cool thing about like people teaching each other how to beat each other because you, you end up just being better overall. Right. Right. Yeah. Definitely. Um, Street Fighter Five has had a lot of changes uh, from the initial release. Um, what has been your opinion of the game from, from the start and then now? What with the addition of the V shift, like these new mechanics, uh, where do you think the game stands? Uh, I've, I've, I've heard a lot of mixed opinions about the new system. Uh, I'm starting, it's starting for me, it seems like the needle shifting towards negativity right now as people are playing more and more. Uh, but as of this moment, what's your thoughts on, on the overall progression of the game from its initial release and then now with its current iteration and the new? I I think I think the game um, the core nature of the game hasn't changed that much in the sense that um, Capcom themselves when they initially released the Street Fighter Five and they 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 were making a lot of comparisons uh, to the game systems of how it was compared to Street Fighter Four um, so for example in Street Fighter Four you had invincible backdashes. You had focus attacks. A lot of the mechanics that um, you had, uh, you could FADC your uppercuts. That's like where you cancel the startup of your uppercut to make it safe and you could dash forward or backwards. So it was like there was a lot of systems that were very low commitment and potentially high reward. And Street Fighter Five did away with that. They made everything like any decision that you made had to be like a true commitment. Like if you were wrong, you were going to pay for it. So, and that, that applies to everything like backdashes are crush counterable. Um, you can't cancel your uppercuts except for a few of them that you can cancel into a V trigger, but even that's not safe. Um, uh, if you, if your uppercut gets blocked, you're in a crush counter state. So like everything, they want to make sure that like you're either right or you're wrong and that's it. Like there's no gray area. Like you better be committing and making good choices and, or avoiding those situations altogether. But um, it's very heavy on commitment and, um, and it's a very also offensive game in the sense that like the, the, the defensive options are generally pretty weak compared to how strong the offensive options are. Um, and like, uh, and I don't know if that aspect of the game was the original vision that they may have had because when V triggers were first created, they were marketed as, oh, these aren't huge comebacks like the ultras were because ultras were like one big super that took all your life these are just mm. like you know small power-ups that will help you make a comeback but as player as the game has developed um most of the v triggers the just the fact that you're powered up for such an extended period of time it ended up being arguably more powerful than having one shot to to get like a big chunk of of health Whereas you might mess that up, but if you're powered up for 40 seconds, you have a lot of chances to get damage. Um, and, um, and then that combined with the fact that they removed chip kills, um, just makes it so that you're, you're powered up and you're not on, you're not be, you're not able to be chipped unless they use a super, which they won't always have. So there's a lot more comebacks uh just because of the overall system of the game and that's not necessarily a bad thing um 
But as the game has developed and the, the types of changes that they made, um, they've maintained the game staying about commitment and, and you know, making sure that, you know, whatever you decide, you're either rewarded or you're punished hard for it. But, uh, but they have mitigated some of those risks with the, you know, addition of stuff like, like V-Shift now. And um, I remember when V-Reversals first came out, they didn't use to return some of your stun meters. So like they give, they, they strengthened that a little bit. Um, uh, just like little, little system changes here and there that just kind of have kind of helped um, with the defensive options. Oh, they, they, they've nerfed uh, the scaling on crush counters. Um, now they made it, they, they added scaling to throws. They, they stun you. So they, they're doing, um, they've increased life bars for most characters in the cast, just so you have like maybe one or two more chances to survive in the round. So they, they definitely understand that when the game is so heavily offensive based, it can feel quite stressful. It can, it can feel like you can't hold on to a lead, even if you're doing well. Um, right. So they're trying to like mitigate that to a degree. And I think they're doing a good job little by little. For some people, they're not doing a good enough job. But I think if you have to give credit, they are the trend of the of the changes that they have made for the most part have been to reduce the, like that volatility of like one second you're winning and then another second you're losing. So they, they try to like balance that out a little bit um, while still maintaining that like high pressure feeling of the game so i think they're doing a good job um, you think this is and, uh an iteration was something that they could have figured out a long time or, or they had to go through the process to get here um that's hard to say um because i don't know you know what their vision for the game was you know we as the players right. have our one experience that we think how it should be or how we want it to be but ultimately, the developers have their own vision of what they want the game to be, and they don't necessarily have to listen to what no, the players don't. are saying. Yeah, they really don't. They they don't just that, that's just something that's that's a tough pill to swallow for some people. But if a developer has a certain vision for their game, that's just what we have to adapt to. And mm -hmm. um, so there's always that dynamic of it as well. Um, uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot of sense of entitlement when people you know, request certain changes and things like that. They're like, oh, why isn't my character like this? Or why isn't this system like this? And like, you know, instead of <laughs> having that mindset, it's like, you got to think of it this way. Like, okay, this is how it is. How am I going to adapt to it? So, right. Um, how, how, so how are you yeah. going to work with it? How are you going to, you know, right, use right. as intended, as they say, you know? Yes, um, exactly. So, Who are, do you think the tiers in the in the game right now in your opinion because i i feel that tears are, are, are an opinionated subject uh there's nothing set in stone um but um in your opinion uh do you think the the new top players or the new top tier characters have changed a lot um you have to if, if they have changed where has it changed on the top end the middle end uh what, what are your uh, thoughts on the I characters think, right now i i think in this um, I think this latest patch did overall a good job of bringing down the top closer to the middle and bringing the bottom up closer to the top. <laughs> um, okay. but then is, there, is Alex always... good now? Because 
I think I think so. I think he's good enough. I'm not saying he's like super strong, but I think he definitely has all the tools necessary for a grappler archetype character to get the job done. Um, okay, all right. Whereas before he had a lot of issues that prevented him from doing that. He had to take like really wild risks, and then didn't have a way to, to like, like he like for example, Alex was the type of character that he would risk something big, and if he was right on that guess, he didn't have a chance to keep it going. So he didn't have like that kind of like that uh, that momentum steamrolling type that art that grapplers are known for. He kind of had to like continuously guess right over and over and over, and that you know the odds are against you when you play a character like that. Yeah, no real Oki. Yeah, yeah, no real exactly, no real Oki. But he can't really stay in after he makes that one big risk. Um, Oki but is they short for, uh, for Okizemi. Sorry for people who don't know what that means. Uh, Okay, knockdown game, like how, how well your character can, can continue the pressure after they knock the opponent down. So right. yeah, he, he had very poor Okizemi options. Um, but now they, they address that like a lot, like he has a lot of deep, pretty good Okizemi options. And when he does get in, he's done, he does a lot more damage now. So, um, they, they definitely address some of his problems. Um, I do feel that while they were rebalancing and bringing down the top and bringing up the bottom in the process, some of the guys that were already pretty good in the middle now are kind of like bubbling up to the top, like, okay. yeah, like your, your Muse, your Cody's, those characters like that, that they were kind of like right on the cusp of being like strong characters. Maybe they needed like one or two more changes and they gave them like maybe a little bit more changes than they probably might've needed. That's it's still early to call that, but uh, right. that's what it's looking like right now. So yeah, to okay. answer your question, I do think in this season compared to maybe the last two, there's more, much more of a noticeable shuffle in who the strong characters are. So okay. there's going to be a lot of people experimenting a lot early on with a lot of different characters. Like I feel like last season, um, it was pretty much the same characters dominating like your akuma rashid yurian and then they just like kind of threw in seth into the mix and then like he became like the the next dominant character but like the core you know your core uh offenders were still all there <laughs> like they were but this time around they it, it, it kind of it kind of changed it's not really certain who the really strongest characters are okay i mean it is fairly new fairly new change you got to give it time uh, maybe yep. two or three months we, we can revisit that and uh, yep. get your opinion then on uh, who's the strongest. Um, who are some of your favorite competitors in Street Fighter Five, or is she not just Street Fighter Five and, and Street Fighter over the years? Like, who have been some of your favorite competitors over the years? Um, I'll give a shout out late lately. As of late, one of the players that I've been really impressed with his just work ethic and you know, attitude towards improvement is uh, Zaffarino from Massachusetts. Okay. Um, he's a Sadat player, and he he's, he's, he has played a couple of different characters over the years. He used to play Fei Long in Street Fighter Four, And, um, yeah, and I got to give him a lot of credit because he he's a type of player that he doesn't necessarily always win, but even when he loses, it, if you want to root for him because he he 
he clearly like I um he take he takes notes on why he lost. He verbalizes it. He he uh he talks about it. Um, he talks about a game plan of what he's gonna do to improve. He 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 peppers in a little bit of philosophy of just like overall mindset and positivity. Um, and he was also when before COVID, he was literally driving down every week to NLBC at one point from Massachusetts, and then like that's spending three and a half night. hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's quite a trip to do that every week. Yeah. That's dedication. Yeah. And, you know, recently, I will say in the last three months, I think he won like two NLBCs. And there was NLBC, even though it's online, it is still a very stacked tournament. You have Capcom Cup stacked, champion yes. and you have Punk, who's like the strongest player in the world right now. You have Idom always there. You have Arturo. You got a mix of old players, new players, really strong players. And to be able to do it with, you know, with the character that he uses also, which is like um, not a weak character, but not really playing the same game as everybody else. Um, he uses Sagat. Um, really impressive. And it's, it just goes to show that uh, the, his work ethic, you know, is what's really leading to his success. And I, I, I'm always rooting for that guy. And I, I really want to see him, you know, continuously succeed, especially when offline events come back. Um, besides him, um, I gotta say, Idom is always impressive. Uh, I, he's very cool, um, calm and collected. Um, just the way he kind of, his approach to the game, very impressive. Um, shout out to Arturo still playing. He's like, he's like 55 years old. So <laughs> just kidding, but uh, yeah, he's pretty old. Um, but he's, he's, he's still a strong competitor. Um. And yeah, there's uh, you know, I, I anybody who who gets out there and, and competes consistently gets my respect. So that's uh, I'm I'm happy to still see it going on. Awesome, awesome. Um, do you do you have like I I can assume and say that you're a fighting game fan, right? You're a fan of fighting games, right? Yep. Um, do you have a fighting game you really like that people don't really know you for, or know that you even like this game? Is that is there a game out there? Like like your secret crush, uh, you know. That's I really fire. like Guilty Gear and Tekken. Those are like mm. the games that I wish I was better at. Um, particularly, I'll say Guilty Gear. Um, there's a lot of like really cool and interesting mechanics in that game that I wish I could just kind of like play with with those guys and really level up because it's it's a really cool scene and really cool characters and it's a it's a it's a franchise that deserves a lot more attention than it gets, in my opinion. Um, Definitely. And because, Agreed. yeah, it's a super really good game. So that's one of And then I'm happy that GG's Guilty Gear Strive, um, you know, has been getting praise for the good net code. And it's, it, when it was initially shown um, a few months back, it was kind of getting a, some negative press because the, the UI was weird and it was like they were changing a lot of things about traditional Guilty Gear and all that. But I think in the latest beta, people were really happy with the direction that it's going. Um, not You can't please anybody, but they saw so much improvement from just a few months right. that, it, it, that that direction shows that like mm-hmm. when the final game comes out and potentially in future updates, it's going gonna, it's gonna, to, Guilty Gear is going to be all right. So... Um, yeah, Guilty Gear and, and Tekken. I used to play Tekken back in the day. Um, last last Tekken I played seriously was Tekken Five DR. Um, 
But yeah, I kind of wish I was back in those two if if I wasn't playing Street Fighter. Um, I, I, I never for the life of me understood why whenever a game gets announced or released and then there's like the, the alpha footage or the beta footage shown, right? That people hang their hats on what they see and just kind of give up right, or have complaints. And I, I'm like, especially if you've been in around the community for a while, I, I've definitely learned a long time ago that like give it give it the game still needs to be polished right they would just want to show you something like because because how weird would it be if like tomorrow capcom showed everybody street fighter 6 and it was done you know like it was done yeah. completed there's like 30 people in this startup you know and people like whoa what, what, what? you know like so you, you you have to like do the whole informing that hey we're doing this hey look at what it looks right now right um yeah my favorite comparison to this is uh the king of fighters 13 right like i love fighting games but uh, um we're basically known for king of fighters like uh steven and i who co-founded kvb like we grew up on KOF. and while yeah we love right. fighting into the home we always i put everything everything under the sun you know I, I love the alpha series growing up like there's always a spot in my heart for KOF, right and i remember when uh 14 was being released and uh they came out with the first like trailers this is happened a lot in fighting games, right? The game graphically is like, okay, wasn't the best looking, right? But I mean, like, honestly, from one fighting game player to another, are we really focused on the graphics when we're in the mix of a fighting game, right? Am I worried about, you know, the pixels on this character when I'm, I'm trying to, you know, stop it, you know, stop getting from getting mixed up, you know, during a fight, right? you know, so I, I, yeah. I, I kind of find it weird. And then again, it's a beta, right? Or it's, it's a, it's a preliminary footage and like people are they're so ready to go oh this thing sucks you know uh i, I remember i don't know if you pay attention to marvel infinite when it came out and like you know yeah. the complaints about ch the faces and stuff chungi's face and it's like yeah. you guys aren't even seeing how the game works so I, I never understood why people are so quick to hang their hats up on those kind of things and not give the developers a chance you know because like i said they don't want to be yeah. surprised with a game tomorrow with no marketing you know and 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 no information and, and just be like what you know how does that yeah. I, I think I, I um say. yeah I think part of that is because um there there is certainly a disconnect with the end user of the people who are playing the games and the developers in the sense that the end users don't really know what it is that goes into making a game and mm -hmm. the the just the overall process of like as you mentioned, like having to show something initially of what the game, like a prototype basically of like, this is what the game will is starting to shape out to be, but this is not the final product. They don't, right. they, it's like, they don't need the fine print. They just see like, Oh, this is what it looks like now. It looks like crap. Ah, rah, you know? All right. And it's unfortunate that is that way. I, I don't see that ever changing unless there was like some kind of developer that made like, literally like a full-blown video of like this is what the development process is like this is what it changes like this is why we're early. like they would literally have to like kind of hold their hand through the process and right. you know and at the end of the day developers they'd rather take the heat than let people look under the hood you know what i mean so right. of course they're they're ready to roll and, and, with and, the then, and then for, for 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 business reasons you don't do that right you don't you don't yeah give away all your signatures right you're in a business right yeah i don't want to tell everyone how we made the design or how we, you know, that's not information that's, you know, that should be available to the public, of course, you know? Right. 
two of the you yeah. know, tricks of the trade. You know, you keep you kind of keep that within in house. So it's yeah. So yeah, may, maybe if the the developers figured out some type of way to to explain a little bit about the development process, I think that could help that situation a little bit because <laughs> it's still gonna mm-hmm. they're, they're always gonna get hate you know but um but yeah it could probably help a little bit if they uh if they were, if the communication is done right uh, i i i think they have this ability to kind of coax people into the sort of segues i want to go into like my next questions and stuff and this is perfect because you know we're talking about developers you're a coder. Do you ever see yourself working in video games or fighting game maybe in your life in the future? Uh, I would love to. Right now, um, I'm still very much a junior engineer, so I still have a lot to learn. Um, I'm actually going into a, a company more in the finance sector, but I know that with the skills that I'll develop there over time, there may be some stuff that will be translatable to game design or and you know, with, with my knowledge already in gaming in general and how things work i'm sure i'll be able to kind of bridge that gap but uh yeah it's definitely in the cards but i don't have anything like in the works i guess you could say right but it's it's definitely okay. something that i would like to aspire to but everything starts with a thought so that, that's definitely you know yeah the, the, the first building block on your way to whatever it is you want to accomplish sure yep um what what do you hope to like see happen in like the next year or so in terms of fighting games, whether it involves you personally, you and what you contribute to the community or not. Um, I think it would be cool if the, if being that I, I make the, the type of content that I make, I think it would be cool if there was some sort of community uh, sharing content sharing within a game, like where people can upvote and, you know, make hot, like highlight certain posts and things like that. That would be something really cool. Like, like we're literally like, let's say I make a discovery and rather than just sharing it on my Twitter, you can literally view it in your video game environment and see it live and be able to, and, and, and be able to like, maybe let's say play the recording and then take control of the recording yourself and try it yourself and look at the inputs and things like that. And, 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 and be able to leave comments and questions and all that kind of stuff, kind of like, you know, being able to add that kind of engagement to uh, sharing, you know, content within the game. I think that would be really cool. And that kind of goes hand in hand with like, you know, just improving online features in general, like beyond the net code, like, you know, I, I, I've never understood why some games from the same developers have had versions of the game where they had online training mode and then, and then the very next version of the game doesn't have it. And, <laughs> that, um, that kills me. I'm sorry, well, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So it's, I don't know if, if it's like a budget, a budget issue or something, but, you know, I think we're in an age where, um, especially now where everybody's stuck inside, where being able to connect and share more information is like really valuable and cool. So I think if, you know, I would like to see like more features inside a game that is about like community sharing with each other in some way. Guys, Capcom, SNK, are you guys listening to this man? 
You should hire him. Yeah. He has some yeah. ideas, man. As a content creator, man, listen, get this guy on your payroll, man. He'll do wonders for you. I promise you. Yeah, like another um, one, another idea that that um that it will be really cool. See, people right now there's a, there's a ton of YouTube uh channels that they they share replays of matches of top mm -hmm. players that they take from like let's say CFN or something. Right. But there could also be a system like that within the game itself where you could just know who the top player is and there could be like a comments section or leader like a board where you can see like oh this is the top most viewed match of the right. week or something like that and like everybody could kind of be following the same thing so that would be really cool too um you know and like if you could lot if you could watch a tournament right from your game you know mm. in the environment like not just stream like you could literally it's just because at the end of the day it's just inputs right like it's just they're just reading inputs so let's say if there's a tournament that's being ran online from within the game, the same input that the players are doing, they could be like being fed into your game and you could be see it like direct from the source. That would be yeah, really cool as awesome. well. Yeah. Because you have that, yeah. like if you look at, I remember, I, um, I'm sure they have where you can see like the inputs and the replays of uh, yeah. different matches. Um, I found it interesting. Uh, I don't know if, if you knew or, or, or even a lot of people knew about this. I remember when Street Fighter Five was first released, uh, you got, you know, you got the people in the community that, you know, they data mine and they go through the game. And um, yep. they found sound bites for like all of the US majors that were involved yeah. in Capcom Cup. Um, I don't know at any point how, if they were used in the game, actually. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know. If, I don't know if you knew anything about that. But uh, I, they did data mine it and they pulled it from the game and it was like, you had the announcer say like, you know, final round and um, SoCal regionals at the time, you know, and yeah. so I guess these were all all destinations for the for the pro tour. Uh, yeah, they didn't pop up in actual going through the game at any point, did they? Or no, I don't think I don't think they were used. I think you know, but I I, I can't I, I really can't speak to that, but I would imagine that maybe. They had a, an idea of how it was going to be implemented yeah. and maybe for legal reasons or maybe for like some kind of budgetary constraint they weren't able to pull it off the way that they originally envisioned so they kind of just scrapped it yeah. mm. um I, I wanted to touch back on one of your ideas and this, this is a personal thing i wanted to state that for me i i kind of as a person who does content creation in terms of broadcasting you know tournaments and stuff like that um I, I guess in in a, in a weird way, uh, it, it sounds kind of contradictory in a sense, but I, I kind of had an issue with guys that just literally sit at home and grab a replay and kind of I, I don't know if they monetize it or they can or they do. Um, and while it's kind of while it's sort of a great resource uh, that someone's out there compiling it from from a content creator standpoint that has to put more into what they do, I always felt like that's kind of lazy. And like the work's kind of already done. So I get kind yeah. of torn between the two, you know, like, you know, and I've definitely had like um, some of these content creators like approach us um, as, as streamers and would ask for our content. Because of course, if we, you know, we, we uh, one thing that you streamers have to do, especially uh, in, when we, when you first started streaming and like, you know, when streaming really started to blow up in events in like the early 2010s and stuff like that is that 
we had to protect the content we were recording because the second we were streaming it, someone had it on YouTube monetizing it, you know? Yeah. And, you know, we're, we're the ones that recorded. We're the ones that haul our equipment and have to deal with the public and deal with TOs and, you know, annoying yeah. players. And for someone to come in this in their underwear and just say, hey, I'm going to take what you just did all weekend and monetize it. And then I used to actually get, like, hate mail from getting uh, certain people in their channels closed down because I, I would have to sometimes sit down after an event the next day and before I could even upload what we actually did, find out if someone already beat us to it, you know, and right. it would just be like literally for hours, strike, strike, strike this person. And I, have a, I had to fill out a whole form on YouTube. And so I would get like these nasty emails like, oh, you, you, you can't do that to me. Uh, you, you don't own the content. And, blah, blah, blah. and, and it, would, it would just be like a fight. Like, with people. I mean, not fight. Yeah. I, I didn't respond to the email. It's like, whatever, dude, you know. But yeah. uh yeah, that 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 you know, do you ever have people that kind of just like take your content and like not, you know, give you credit and stuff or, or go to the next step, monetize it, try to, you know, make something of it does that ever happen to you? Yeah, it it hasn't been um really much of an issue for me, uh, because I post such short clips that I don't think there's anything that people are doing with that stuff. It's just kind of like, here's this one-off thing that you can try on your own or, or not. And right. just, it just doesn't really go beyond that. I don't have like any kind of real production going into my stuff. So that hasn't become an issue. Um, but there was one time where uh, there was someone literally just like reposting everything that I was posting like a day later. Like he would like download mm -hmm. it from Twitter somehow and then repost it on his account. And, um, and then I asked him, I, I, I literally like linked him my video on his and I said like, Hey, why are you like literally just like ripping my stuff and not at least tagging me? <laughs> and he was like, Oh, I didn't think it was a problem. And I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not saying it's a major problem, but like, you know, have some courtesy and like, say like, Hey right. man, can I post this or like, yeah. so, oh, Hey, this um, is from Javits. Like that don't act like it was, it was yeah. yours, you know? Yeah. And look, right, right now, I think maybe that's something that I should really be looking into more of protecting my content in some way. Um, just because it, it, it does feel to your point, like the wild west sometimes, like, um, I'm not trying to throw shade at this particular website, but for example, um, event hubs, uh, a lot of times I post something and no one will reach out to me from their organization and they just make an article about something that I post like, Oh, right. Twitter user Javits finds unblockable or something like that. And I'm like, mm. all right, that's cool. But like, what if I didn't want an article <laughs> written about this? Like why no one reached out to me. So I, it's kind of like a little bit strange sometimes that they, they feel like they could just post whatever. Um, it hasn't been an issue. Um, but to your point, I think, is something that anybody who's making content should be at least mindful of that, you know, as you, as you grow and you scale, sometimes things that you may be working for, someone may try to benefit off without doing necessarily the work that you did. Um, and that's all, that's kind of like a whole ethics discussion that, you know, we can get into, but for another yeah. time for sure. Definitely. I, I feel like I'm not there yet, basically. <laughs> but, uh, maybe I will be, you know, that's good. That's good. Um, 
I do want to thank you for your time today. Um, definitely like just hearing like your side. We don't get the. I, I don't think guys in, in in your in your area you know get talked about a lot and how important you are to the community. Being able to provide analysis and tech, as they say, so that players can actually go out there and improve. So I, I thank you for that. Um, is there anything you want to say to people who are aspiring content creators who, or how to like really like sit down and really evaluate the game for yourself and find your own tech, like to be to be your own like um, elaborate, so to speak. Yeah, I, I think um, to start, I, I think I'll say what worked for me and you can probably apply some of that to yourself. Let's say if you're somebody who watch, who enjoys watching tournaments and you see a situation that somebody did something really cool or somebody made like they drop, like let's say they dropped a big punish that they could have won the round with. And then like they lost it, like the player lost because they didn't know what to do. Like always use that opportunity to like, you know, power up your game and and go into training mode and see like, what would you have done in that situation? What could you have done in that situation? Because you never know if you, you will be the one or somebody you know will be the one in that situation in the future. And being able to always have that mindset of looking for the answers, I think is how tech is created. Like just that continuous thirst for knowledge, um, you know, and, and that, mentality applies and seeps into everything in life. I think, um, you know, not just accepting like, Oh, that happened. And that's it. There's nothing beyond it. It's like, okay, that happened, but how could it have been different? What could, what could have happened? What should have happened? Like the more you start to ask these questions, it kind of puts you in the direction of like, how are you going to find the answers? So that's my, that's my to people recreate the situations that you see that are cool or interesting or just kind of get in there and try them out for yourself and you might learn a thing or two that's very thoughtful insight i definitely appreciate you for that uh last thing before we go any shout outs uh people you want to mention people just want to say what's up to uh yeah i want to give a shout outs to um just the whole new york scene um love you guys Hope everybody will be back to playing. Um, I want to give a shout out to Henry Sen. Um, I know we haven't been able to go to next level because everything is closed, but uh, I promise you that we will be back there and supporting you and keeping you and the scene alive the way that you kept us and our scene alive. So I think big shout outs to Henry Sen. Um, be sure to support him and next level once this pandemic is under control <laughs> and uh yeah it's uh it, it'll be you know something that if if you love fighting games and um you know we gotta have a place to gather and play and have events locally um and we all gotta support each other so yeah he's like the you know the owner of next level so you know whatever opportunity a way that you can support him and his team and his crew um, and that, that, that applies to everybody, like everybody involved in that, you know, helping keeping this thing alive. You yourself, team spooky, Arturo, you know, all these guys that are like working behind the scenes to kind of give us cool content and events and all that support them, support East coast throwdown, support, uh, defend the North support, support, support. Like this is, that's the only way 
that we're going to continue to grow and level up and keep having fun with these games. So anybody who's doing something, support them. <laughs> Go for it. Definitely, definitely. Um, if somebody... And Casa Bunch. And Bunch. Casa Bunch, yeah. Shout out to Bunch. Yeah. bunch. Yeah. Yo, we, we love yep. Bunch. Bunch is awesome, too. Um, so if somebody listens to this podcast or watches this video and they want to hit you up and argue with you about uh, tears and tech, uh, how do they reach you? How do they reach on social media to pick your brain? Uh, yeah, just hit me up on Twitter. That's uh, at Javits, J-A-V-1-T-S. So Javits with a one. Um, I'm always on there posting cool stuff. Uh, if you have any questions for me or if you want to play, throw down some games, just, uh, you know, drop me a little note, tag me. And uh, yeah, I'm always down to chit chat. Hit me up. All right. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jazz, for coming on the show and just and giving us so much insight on what you do. Uh, for, for you guys watching, if you don't want to always watch a video and you want to kick back in your car and just relax and have a good time listening, you can check us out on your favorite podcast uh, channel. You can try it over at uh, uh, Spotify, iHeartRadio, uh, Google Podcasts, excuse me, and Apple Podcasts. With that being said, this is KB Rodman's final. I want to wish you guys a great day. See you soon. Thank you, Javis, for coming on the show today. And we'll see you guys next, right. next time. Take care. Thanks for having me. Have a good night. No problem. Thank you. No.